Right. So today, uh, you know, this year we've been talking a lot about some of the different strongholds that we see in society, kind of things that um, are are very negative that society is holding on to and propping up as true, um, and and how many times that goes directly against a biblical uh, understanding and a biblical foundation. So we've uh, we've talked about all kinds of different things. So today we're going to talk about um, a a victim mentality or a victim ideology. You may have heard terms like that. Um, you know, I always hate it whenever terms start getting thrown around within society and culture because then they kind of get pigeonholed as, oh, well, if you uh, if you vote this way, you think this about victim mentality. If you vote this way, you think this about victim mentality. It's like, no, this is a a big picture um, that there's we, we need to understand what does that mean? Why? Is it dangerous or is it dangerous? Is it biblical or is it not biblical? Right. Um, and, and so we're going to, to talk about that and kind of just real quickly where this comes from. So the, the idea of being a victim, and I'll, I'll read a definition. There's, there's many different ways. This is kind of an extended definition. And this is someone who kind of, uh, apply being a, a victim mentality is basically a lens that you see the world through. Right? So it's how you see the world around you. Um, th- this is a, a pretty good uh, definition. It says, if you have a victim mentality, you will see your entire life through a perspective that things constantly happen to you. Victimization is thus a combination of seeing most things in life as negative, beyond your control, and as something you should be given sympathy for experiencing as you deserve better. At its heart, a victim mentality is actually a way to avoid taking responsibility for yourself or your life by believing you have no power, then you don't have to take action. All right. So I think that's a decent understanding of, of what that mentality, if we fully adopt it and fully embrace it, can lead to. Um, and and we need to recognize because whenever I throw out that term victim mentality, most of us in here immediately we start saying, you know, I know people that have that. I I can tell you who they are. That person always sees themselves as a victim. That person over there, that group of people see themselves as victims. Right. What we usually don't do is look right here because all of us can see it, can view the world through this lens. It is, in fact, it is now being encouraged and taught to view the world basically through this lens. And it, and it comes from this, this starts getting very academic critical theory is is a theory that has been been around for a long time it's applied to all kinds of different areas um, it's a, if you read about uh, marx and marxism it is all about critical theory that can be applied to race issues to gender issues to sexuality all kinds of things and it is and it is being taught and what the premise is and it's a very simple uh, explanation is it starts 
at the place that you see people as oppressed and oppressor. So people are in groups. That's very dangerous to do. Right? Now we know that people naturally get into to groups and things like that. But if you start seeing the world that way, it becomes very dangerous. And, and, uh, and so that was applied. If you look at like socialism and where communism, the rise of all that came from, um, that basically was two groups. The oppressed were the workers. The oppressors were the wealthy. So it was a rich and a poor type of thing, and it was pitting them against each other. That same thing has been done with race, right? Let's, let's elevate, let's heighten uh, the, the differences and, and make uh, one race the oppressed, the other race becomes the oppressor, right? Then you can see that with gender, right? Men are the oppressors. Women are the oppressed, right? So if you think about it, these are things that we're being talked about all the time, right? And so each one of you can find yourself in a category of the oppressed or the oppressor, okay? And what thinking about this does and and is intended to do, <laughs> um, because I... I believe critical theory is straight from the bowels of hell. That, that, that was off script. That it's, I, I, believe, I believe it is evil. I believe it is trying to destroy our society. Right? And, and so it is intending to get you to look at things from in that perspective. And if you do, you will naturally start to adopt a victim mentality. Right? So it's important that all of us in here know we are susceptible to this. And in our sinfulness, we will many times succumb to it. Right? So, so it is vital to understand that. And uh, because if you see yourself as a victim, uh, it leads to, to all kinds of things. But, and we'll, we'll get into to some of that. Um, but that is at the heart of one of, of what I would consider a stronghold that is now being taught and pervaded throughout our society. So the first question is, is, well, does the Bible have anything to say about this? You know, what, what could this dusty old document that was written thousands of years ago know anything about victim mentality? Right? Well, it turns out, since it's the Word of God, and he's the one who created us, he kind of knows where our flaws are. And so he kind of pointed those out in this dusty old document that our society is trying to tell us that is irrelevant and doesn't speak to current situations. Right? No, it does. And so I want to look at a passage that is, it's a tough, tough passage, especially because of cultural differences. And uh, so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And, uh, and Paul is using examples uh, of oppressor and oppressed. Right? These are just normal uh, human institutions, if you will, uh, human uh, interactions of the day. And, and they do create a person that has power, and a person who doesn't have power, right? And so he said, here's how you handle that. All right, chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God for your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. All right, so first you have children and the fathers, the oppressor father, and then the oppressed child, right? Poor children. You know, and, and what, what does it say? How do you handle that? If, you're, if you are the, the, the one who is the child, what does it say to do? Honor your father and your mother. Show them respect. Why do you do that? So that it will go well with you. There's actually a little bit of selfishness in this. It's not a negative selfishness. But God knows what is best for you. And guess what? He wants what is best for you. He said, I came to give you a life and, and life abundantly. Right? It's not selfish to want to do what is best for you and at the same time what's best for others. Right? So he's telling us this and he's saying, you know what? If a, as a kid, the best thing you can do is honor your father and mother. It doesn't, it's not contingent on how they are acting towards you. Now, that can be tough, right? Now, does this mean that you just allow yourself to be beaten physically by parents and things like that? No, there are obviously limits here. But as the, as the, the child, you should respect and honor your parents, right? And then Paul also says, and you oppressor father. You have a responsibility too. You do not exasperate your children, right? And you train them and you raise them up. You have a responsibility. Now, none of us in here had a perfect relationship with our parents, right? But the goal and the way that we should approach it should come from that place. So even the one who is the lesser decides, you know what, I'm going to choose to show that honor and respect no matter what. Now, that one, I would rather just spend a lot more time on that, but I'm going to skip to the next one. And it's because it taught and it uses two words that just make us cringe in 2022. Slaves and masters. It makes us cringe to the point that there are realty uh, realtors and realty agents out there that no longer list the bedroom where the mom and dad sleep as the master bedroom. And that, that is actually, there are, like, like because it has connotations to slavery. Okay, we, we all agree, slavery, horrific. Right? 
We, we, we all agree with that. And if you don't, you're probably not going to fit in here. Okay. Um, you know, we don't have something hidden, you know, that we, uh, we reveal, you know, later on. You know, this is, it's pretty, pretty obvious. Slavery was horrific. It is horrific. This is not justifying slavery. Paul is looking at the reality of the world and he's using examples. Right? This also was a different type of slavery. Right? It, it was indentured m- many times. Then there was forced slavery. It was a mixture. It was not based on race. Right? It, was, it was basically how the economy of the day worked. And this is hard for us to understand, but uh, you know, just think about it. Back then, the way anything got done was through people. Right? If you wanted to build a, 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 a road, and they did, right? In Rome, there was the Roman road. It was the first kind of paved road. If you wanted to build that road, how was it going to happen? With thousands of people, right? You, there wasn't the caterpillar over that you started up and started smoothing things out, right? right? The horsepower was people power, right? And so the situation called for nearly everyone to be working, Okay, and by the way, and I'm kind of assuming all of your royal lineage here, but more than likely, if you were born back in the year 30, 35, 40, 50, whenever this was written, you would have been a slave of some sort, right? Because that, that is kind of how it was. Does this justify it? No. Was it, but, but that's how things worked, right? So Paul, He's just using a modern example. He's not justifying it at all. But the feelings would be the same. If you were an indentured slave, right, that had to sell yourself to that, or maybe that you had been a part of another uh, city and Rome came and sacked your city and then brought you back to slavery, you were forced of your own, uh, not of your own free will. And, and now you're in their, your situation. You are powerless. There was nothing you were going to do. Right? So how do you handle that? How do you handle it when you really are a victim? Right? And these words are, are powerful, and they go directly against culture. So he says, Obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. So it says, choose to show respect, right? You're in the situation. You're not getting out of it, right? So how are you going to handle it? Why don't you start by showing respect? They may not even deserve respect. And guess what? Some did and some didn't, right? But it didn't matter. You choose to listen and to do what they tell you to do to a certain degree, even Paul would say, you would stand up and not do something that was, was ungodly, right? But no, you do, do your job. Do what you were called to do. He says, obey them not only to win their favor. I love that. So he's implying here that by doing that, it's actually going to be a little bit better for you because many times you will win their favor, right? Like, like this is the better way to go. 
You, and rather than just being antagonistic and, and upset and mad all the time, if you do a good job and to, to serve well, many times it brings favor on you. But not always. And as Paul is acknowledging that, you do it not only for that, where their eyes on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Right? So you look at it as, wait, no, I'm actually serving the real master. This is just an earthly master. Right? But I'm serving the real master. He says, serve heartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. And then I love, it says, because you know that, that the Lord will reward who? The, the whole group of oppressors or oppressed? No, he says that you will, that will reward each one for whatever good they do. Right? So you are responsible for you. Right? And so you can, you can choose how you're going to engage in that situation. And then, of course, and it, and it says whether they are slave or free. And then it says, and masters. Treat your slaves in the same way. Right? So all that stuff that he just said, also, he said, masters, you do the same thing. Right? And he says, do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven. I love that. It's, uh, it's kind of, and if anyone was a master that was reading this, they wouldn't like hearing that. Right? That it's kind of that reminder. Remember, you know, our master is the one in heaven. Right? He, the creator, he's the master. You may be in this worldly situation, but no, he's the one who is the, really the master. And then he says, and there is no favoritism with him. Now, I, I love that because that phrase basically is Paul acknowledging that these human sy systems are flawed and that they do bring out favoritism. Why? Because we are fallen humans, right? And that there's always going to be favoritism that we're going to see in our human institutions. Always. It doesn't, doesn't matter what system or ideology you have. And that is one thing that is very dangerous about some of the critical theories, some of the Marxist ideas, wants to change a government system so there's no favoritism. Got news for you. Unless you're creating a system that doesn't have people in it, there's going to be favoritism because we're fallen, right? We're sinful. And here's the ironic thing is that those who want to create a system that has no favoritism want to have God nowhere in it. Well, well what a bunch of idiots, right? Because the only way that we have anything that doesn't show favoritism is that we relate to the God who created all of us in his image, and so if you're, if you're going to kick him out and think it's going to lead to a, a system that doesn't show favoritism, you are delusional and you have given in to an ideology that is evil. That's just the, and, and we're seeing it all over the place. And so I want to, want to think, why is it? Why, why are we seeing more people kind of getting into the victim mentality, the victim ideology. And let's, let's be honest. And again, I want you to be thinking about yourself because you're, you're in it, right? If you're a woman, you can say, man, 
men just have all the power. They've just kept me down all my life, right? If you're a minority, oh, the, this is, they've kept me down all my life. If you're a white guy now, you can say, oh, now everything's starting to swing the other way and everything goes against the white guy. You can find a victim, and here's the insidious part of it, is there's a little bit of truth in all of it, right? Women have been mistreated by men. Minorities have been mistreated by the majority. White guys sometimes do get the short end of the stick, right? Because we're in a fallen world. So you have to choose, am I going to see everything through that lens or not? So why do we choose to do it? Because I believe that it leads to despair, to anxiety, to depression. Why do we choose to do it? Let's be honest, because it feels good at first. Whenever you can share with someone about how you're a victim, and they come up, they put their arm around, oh, I'm so sorry. That is just so unfair. I can't believe that you'd have to go through that. No one should have to go through that. Oh, you, you're so courageous. You're so strong. Right? That feels good to all of us. And there's nothing wrong. It should feel good. Especially if you've truly been victimized. You, we want people to come up and encourage us like that. There's nothing wrong with that in itself. Right? But what happens is, oh, that kind of feels good. And now we've been taught to start seeing ourselves as victims and seeing the world as oppressor versus oppressed. And so we can see it and we can start applying this to everything. So, so yeah, whenever I was truly a victim, it was felt really good. Well, what if I just start creating ways that I'm a victim and that society is telling me I'm a victim? And I still get that feedback. I can post it on social media. And then I look and I see all these cute little emojis with tears going down. And it, oh, look, these people care about me so much. Well, they don't. They just hit an emoji. You're lucky they didn't hit the devil one, you know, or the pregnant man. You know, I, I, I keep waiting when I'm getting the pregnant man emoji. Say that. Now. Right? I mean, it, it is so fake. All right? It is ridiculous. And, and, and again, some of this is not bad if you're truly victimized. It's good to have that support. But what happens is it kind of feels good. The problem is, so does taking heroin, I've been told. It supposedly feels good at first, right? And then you end up in a dumpster dead, right? Because you just need more of it and more of it and more of it. And the victim mentality, the victim ideology, does exactly that. And we have to push back against it because society is telling us to have that kind of a mentality. Scripture, it doesn't support that in any way, shape, or form. Scripture acknowledges that there are victims. And it pushes back against evil systems that victimize people. It recognizes that. 
Scripture would this scripture would never you wouldn't use that scripture and tell a slave back in the 1800s not to be part of the Underground Railroad, right? You say no, Scripture just says you obey your earthly master. No, that is not what this is saying, right? Scripture acknowledged true victims, but it never adopts a victim mentality. Who is the number one victim in Scripture? It's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was a true victim. He got crucified a horrific way to die. Why? Because he told people that God loved them. He deserved it in no way. It was a mock sham trial. Everything was against him. He was completely victimized. Did Jesus ever have a victim mentality? No, not even close. He showed victory over being a victim. That's the model that we should be following. Because this this is dangerous. And it starts to do all kinds of things. It distorts our view of reality. We start seeing everything through that lens. So for example, if I if I'm a if I'm a victim and I, I believe that that uh that women are now out to get men. And so I, every time a woman mistreats me, I'm like, oh see, look, this system has flipped now. Right? And so I could apply that. I could look back whenever I was in uh, a, a church in Sweetwater and there was a lady who was very powerful in the church and she used a lot of that power to uh, push me out. And that happened. Oh, poor me. The system now has turned against me. Whenever I'm driving to go to the hospital, whenever my mom was diagnosed with cancer and I'm on a little back road and, uh, and I'm going 10 miles over the speed limit and I get pulled over and it's a lady police officer and she comes and it was the rudest police officer I have ever encountered in my life. I could say, oh, she's just doing that because I'm a man. She doesn't like men. You know what? Maybe that was true. Or maybe she was just having a bad day. Or maybe she's just a jerk. (laughs) Maybe so. Or maybe she hates men. Who cares? If I see myself as a victim, what good does that do? That just makes me feel worse about everything. So I'm not seeing things as reality. I'm using those things that I don't even know if they apply, and I start seeing the whole world that way. Man, that makes you miserable because you see everything that way and then you don't recognize when the lady is really nice to you. Well, why would the lady be really nice to me if all women hate men? <laughs> this is what we do. And it happens and, it's, and we're being encouraged to have that kind of view. It also it blinds us to our own sin because we start focusing on others, and what they're doing, and how they're being mean to me. And we don't look and realize, you know, maybe maybe that cashier wasn't very nice to you because you were being a jerk to the cashier. <laughs> Ooh, what? No, we, we better make sure we're looking in here. One of the most insidious things about a victim mentality is that it, it disempowers us. 
it makes us start to see the world like we don't have a chance because everybody's against us. And I am very concerned, and I know that you, have, I'm sure, have seen this, that, that this happens in our schools, can be taught to our children, whether it's being overt, it's, it's seeping in, in everything. Right? And I started noticing this, and I, I can remember being a little uncomfortable with it at the time, but I, it just didn't make sense. I remember there was an effort to, start, uh, to, um, to really address bullying in the school. And I mean, the resources that have been spent to address bullying is astronomical. And at first, it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Bullying is, is bad, right? And, uh, and, but then it's like, okay, wait, what, what is this trying to do? Because all of the effort was focused on stopping the bully. Let's say, we just need to stop the bully. Let's people, you know what? If we just tell people that, uh, that God is, or, well, we certainly wouldn't do that in school. If we just tell people, you know, that they need to be nice, that they need to understand that people have different backgrounds and they have different skin color and they have different amounts of money. If we just teach them that, then they won't be bullies. Right? The problem is, is that bullying didn't start in schools in like the 1990s. Okay. I'm fairly sure when the cavemen were having their school back in the cave and they were teaching little Billy and little Johnny. Wait, wait, that would, no, little Billy and little Janie, how to make fire, that Billy may have been a bully. And so when he got his fire going, he kind of went over there and tried to singe little Janie's hair, right? Because there's always going to be bullies. There's always going to be people who are going to mistreat. That is the way of the world. That is the reality. Now, do we need to try to teach them to be good and teach them morals? Obviously. But what was happening in a school is all of a sudden I had my daughters would come home. I was bullied today. Really? Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? How, how were you bullied? Well, I wanted to swing in the swings. And my friend, she wouldn't swing in the swings with me because she wanted to go to the slide. Man, what a wonderful world you live in. That's the best bully ever. Right? Because there are real bullies that do major damage. And one thing that was left out of that is teaching the kids how to deal and handle with the bullies of life. That is way more effective than just trying to remove all the bullies because you're not going to remove all the bullies. But what we did is we kind of created a, a reward for being the victim of bullying. So if you were bullied, people would come up to you or someone said something, oh, it's okay, it's going to be all right. You get all this attention. Rather than teaching people how to deal with it, because we live in the real world, and there are people who hate you. There are people who are going to mistreat you. And there is no system that's going to prevent all of that. And... We are disempowering our children when we're not teaching them how to handle adversity. If we are allowing our children to be victims, they are going to end for a life of misery.
Because being a victim leads to a life where joy is sucked out. You will not live a joyful life because everything you see is negative. We live in a time where it's pretty tough. There's some really bad ideologies out there. And society wants you to believe that you are a victim. Scripture and Jesus Christ wants you to know that you are a victor. Let's go to him in prayer.